0: What we just have to call Thomas Trans Erotica.
1: Thomas Trans Erotica.
2: Of course.
0: Thomas Trans erotica. erotica.
2: Expected goals.
1: Thomas Trans Erotica.
2: Ah, model.
3: Erotica. Rush.
2: Thomas. Erotica. Seven oh one. On a Thursday, we gotta get a uh, sexy PDO in there. You have to say it slower. Let's say PDO. You need to enunciate the letters. PDO. As well. P-D-O. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying. P-D-O. Oh, that was really wow. good, right? Yeah.
1: P D, you got to emphasize the D, bit.
2: P-D. Oh. And then the O has to sound. I'm going to have to label this hour with explicit oh. content. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> have the little, like, panther <laughs> yeah. on top of it. <laughs> can we get
3: you, you to say it once more without the music bed playing in the background?
2: We can do this, like, at the break. So we can clip it. <laughs> we can no, do let's do it live. Yeah. Do it live. We don't have to record our show Quiet. while on Quiet. air.
1: We're in the studio here.
2: We are. We're cooking. oh. No, nah, I didn't like it. I liked my first one more. What an artist. Well, <laughs> game. Um, okay. you are listening. Yeah, this is the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Brough for the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today, Thomas Drantz, patiently waiting on hold. i will have to wait a little longer. I need to tell you that hour two of this program is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer, meticulously brewed for quality and taste primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise uh it's at a liquor store near year or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made we are coming to you live from the kintech studio kintech
1: canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star google reviews sore feet
2: what are you waiting for kintech that's what let's go to the phone lines thomas drance from the athletic and canucks talk joins us now on the halford and bruff show on Sportsnet 650 what up drancer
0: Gentlemen, doing well. I'm uh, at, at the airport about to fly to New York. Should be an interesting Canucks road trip, which obviously starts tonight in Missouri. Uh, a trip that I, or a destination on this road trip that I was happy to skip.
2: I was going to say, it feels like someone's <laughs> avoiding St. Louis. Yeah, it's just hard to get to. Yeah. I've gone to
0: St. Louis if I could fly direct, but also not a, not a shame that I'm missing downtown St. Louis. Not going to lie with you.
1: Drancer, what is the uh, NHL record for PDO, and are the Canucks going to break it?
0: Um, I mean, I, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I do know that through like this point of the season, at 5-on-5 five five anyway, yeah, this is the highest we've ever seen. Um, are they going to break it? Well, if <laughs> what we saw on Tuesday is any indication, yes. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, you couldn't have had more pucks pinball into the net um you know a, a dump and attempt that the goalie permits uh to get behind them you know uh, a a legit double doink point shot no one no one intending to be in the way of that necessarily shot was going well wide initially um you know a, a stanchion bounce to an open net i mean truly remarkable stuff especially given sort of the random distribution of pucks finding the back of the net that have that has benefited this team to this point i mean you know, we've seen so many, like, rush, unscreened rush-rush-shot goals. And, and, you know, it's one thing if they're Pedersen goals, right? It's another thing if it's Lafferty-Hoglander, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you know, um, the deflections, like, they're, they're, it's not all noise, right? Like, this team is doing the work to get inside. They are controlling play. Like, they're holding the puck for a long series of time in the offensive end. They do have dynamic shooters, but you know, I mean, that that game almost reached a point of parody. Like I was sitting in the press box laughing as some of these goals got scored. Um, you know, it, it, it was one of those games where it felt like, hey, maybe maybe they very much can keep getting away with it.
1: And yet, at the same time, they played really well in that first period. Okay, you don't think they did?
0: I think they, Ottawa man. Like, yeah, they did. I don't know what we get we give um we give medals or something for ten minutes of good hockey like I don't understand
1: uh i, I think you I think, I think you can from. i think you can say that they they played well and they responded and that's something that they've done well all season they've only lost two games in a row twice all season, and I think that's something they should I mean, be credited to team, though. Hmm? No, sure
0: but that sure but we we should be at a point where the expectation is that you'll beat the senators like right. i'm I'm there. Right. I'm there with them, you know, like.
1: What is your expectation exactly, of this team right now, Drance, Just Well, okay, we'll just, Drancer, what is your expectation of the of, of this team right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I was certainly too low on them coming into the season. I think they're a solid playoff team, as currently constructed. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think their defensive play is really good. The only thing, the only part of their game that I'm sort of looking at and thinking, you know, I think that's really overheated, the five-on-five offense. Right, everything else, I'm I'm pretty much buying. Like I think the power play will get back to cooking again. Um, you know, I know the penalty kill's been really good for the last eleven games. I think some of that improvement's durable. Um, you know, I, I buy the goaltending. I really like the forward depth, especially now that they've got Blueger and Pius Suter, Excuse me, lineup. Um I, know I always want to refer to him like he's the Pope. Um, but, uh, but 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 I mean, I think that level of forward depth. You know that. Like, that was my favorite part of their game, frankly, uh, against Ottawa this week, was what it looked like with Hoaglander, Suter, and Lafferty on the ice. I mean, just three guys buzzing about. All of them can do damage on the counter. All clever players. Um, You know, that, I mean, there's not a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, those top-heavy contending teams. You know, know, that that Edmonton-style roster build, where if Hoaglander, Suter, Lafferty was your third line, you'd be like, hey, that could be an X factor for them. Right, I mean that's the Canucks' second bottom six line, Um, and it was one that was sort of like hastily thrown together because they had a bunch of game time decisions. I mean, you know, there are real engines powering this team's game, and I think what's been sort of interesting is when one of them has sputtered, they've had others going. So, like the first month of the year, obviously Demko was on an unholy heater, and power play one went absolutely nuclear. Right. Uh, then they had a month where they sort of regressed. Like Demco actually had a month of play in this season with an 877 mm-hmm. over the course of a month worth of games. And we didn't even notice, um, because, large, largely because of the way that Peterson and Miller were still going. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden you had this forward depth, especially the Garland line going nuclear uh, and sort of carrying the team uh, in addition to the goaltending as the power play struggled, right? Like this team's got so many outs, so many ways to win games. And and I buy that there are like five core strengths of this team. Well, five core strengths, that's a, that's a big deal. Like that, uh, that's a pretty robust team. That's a team that for me anyway, we don't have to like overly ladle the praise on them for, playing well in the first period against the Ottawa Senators we should expect them to bludge in the Ottawa Senators we should expect them to bludge in the San Jose Sharks we should expect them to bludge in the St. Louis Blues tonight like that's clearly the level they're at I don't think it's like I'm not trying to be negative when I'm like oh well great so they so they outplayed the Ottawa Senators for 15 minutes super soundly and got a ton of bounces so it was it was lopsided like that's my expectation. I,
1: I think there's that's a notion over, out there, Drantz. Here, here's here's what I think there's a notion of, okay, about you mm-hmm. specifically, that you yeah. think that the Canucks uh, are purely just lucky and that if they weren't so lucky, they'd be not an average team, but a bad team. They'd be last season. I think that's the notion yeah, yeah. that's about you, that, well, that's, that that's people not, have about
0: you. That's, that's on them. That's not anything I've said. I mean, when there were – When this team had that, you know, pushed for 110 PDO in in mid-November, early November and stuff, out-of-market analysts sort of discussing it, I was like, no, I don't think this team's going to regress and be bad. I I do think this team's going to regress and be, like, not elite offensively Mm. five-on-five, especially because, you know, their top six isn't producing a ton five-on-five and doesn't carry play well enough, in my view, um, to really sort of generate that edge, Consistently. Like, I, I, I do think the goals at evens are going to be problematic for this team. Um, like, I, I, can you tell me what a staple goal looks like for this team right now?
2: Not you at know, five like, on five, no.
0: <laughs> Defl- no, like, Defl- Deflected know, like,
2: in by the other team? I don't know. You tell me. Because this, this is what people,
0: you know, people might tell me to watch the games. Some of those people might be JT Miller. Um, but you can actually see it. You can actually see it. Like, I don't know what a staple goal looks like for this team aside oh. from – unscreened rush a shot or puck bounces twice because of a deflection. It's in the net. And I, you know, I'm sort of watching it shaking my head being like, at some point, (laughs) if you're too reliant on these, uh, I think you're courting volatility. Um, You know, and, and, and look, I mean, say what you will about like the Bruce, there it is run, but I knew what a staple goal looked like for that team in terms of the way that they forechecked in terms of the way that they manufactured. Like I genuinely, don't understand how this team keeps scoring at at this rate given the chances that I see them generating and I actually think it's visible I think if you're paying close attention and watching these games you can actually see it and and just in your mind's eye like feel free to at me on Twitter like let me know what what do you think like a staple a staple attacking play is for this team I I I really challenge anyone to let me know because I don't know
1: When you talk about the strength of the team being its forward depth um, and then you look at the pending UFAs like Teddy Bluger, who has been way better than I expected him to be, um, mm-hmm. Sam Lafferty uh, has been good. And Dakota Joshua, he's a pending UFA. Yeah. Um, man, like a big dude who can now, now he's showing that he can <laughs> score goals and he can kill penalties. Like that guy's going to get a pretty big raise. You've got yep. Ian Cole on the back end, Nikita Zadorov. These guys are all pending UFAs. Tyler Myers, of course, a pending UFA. Um, and the fact that you've got, Horonik's going to get a big raise. Petey's going to big Huge. get a big raise if he, if he resigns, is this the year where even if you have some misgivings about the team, is this the year where you could see Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin go, guys, this is our chance. We got to go for it here.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I could, and I like, I don't think it's entirely misguided if they do, to be totally honest with you, um, you know, throw Casey to Smith in there, right? Like throw the fact, that this team's going to need another backup at some point. Um, look, sometimes the seas part for you, right? And, and it certainly feels like, look, we've, we've all been following this franchise for our entire lives, right? The, you have some listeners, I'm sure, have been listening to the radio as people talk about the Canucks for 50-plus years. Um, when has anyone ever said, you know, it feels like this franchise is really, really fortunate? <laughs>
3: right. Things
0: really seem to be going their way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you waste that? Can you waste, uh, you know, 53 years of, of being due all coming together at once? Like, I, you know, I, I honestly find myself moved by that argument. And yet, you know, I know people will bring up the Jim Rutherford Stanley Cup champion Carolina Hurricanes teams. Right. And they should. They should. It's an interesting analogy. Um you know how how many times did they make the playoffs in the five year stretch around that? And, no, and it was a total
2: blip that that was the reason that I keep bringing it up. It's twenty years ago, but it was just it was an anomaly, right? Like they it was an went, got on a heater and then he pounced on it, added weight and recce, and then the heater never stopped. I take an well, anomaly
1: I, cup.
0: Yeah, I take. No, I, no, you know, for I, for I for like, I for I for like anomalies. I, yeah, so, I'm, I'm, everyone would take an anomaly cup. No yeah. one cares how the sausage gets made if you raise a banner, right? Right. H- hold the parade down, Robson, but you know that that Carolina Hurricanes team had some similarities to like the 1982 Canucks obviously a far better team in a cap era and on and on but like you know they ducked the Red Wings and they ducked the Ottawa Senators right like a lot of their fortune wasn't that they didn't play well or deserve their wins it was that they ducked the best teams in the league on their on their run through the the tournament effectively which which can happen except if you're in the Pacific Division this year right So what does, like, as much as we would all take an anomaly cup, you know, can you count on, like, if if the Hurricanes had fallen short that year, gone all in, and had that five-year stretch, things look awfully different. And and you do have to be attentive, I think, to those margins, especially given that, you know, to get through the, um, to get even to the conference semifinals, you're going to be playing two of the top five teams, if you're a Pacific Division team, period. And uh, and, you know, I mean, there's there's uh, there's the potential that even if you win the division, you bump into Edmonton, who is also, by the way, a top five team. So uh, to me, anyway, I don't love that analogy. I think it's one that you have to be very careful to use just because, look, I think I think absolutely, without doubt, the Pacific is at the top end, the toughest division in hockey, the toughest bracket. Um, So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's uh, because you can absolutely see the case for, hey, it's going to be hard to maintain. It's going to be hard for this team to be as good, and certainly it's going to be impossible for them to be as fortunate uh, again next season.
2: Hey, speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes, not the 5 team, but the current one, when you were talking to Rick Tockett following the Senators game the other night, I noticed the back and forth that you guys had was interesting because uh, it was a little bit of a reveal into – the deeper structure and maybe what you were talking about, about the signature goal or the style of and I know you alluded to what Carolina does. And it's interesting because I actually thought that there were components of that against Ottawa in the first period where, yeah, there were a hell of a lot, a lot of lucky bounces, but the positions that the Canucks put themselves in repeatedly sure. to get those bounces, that's where, I don't know if it's Carolina-esque, but there is that sense of, well, if you just keep, uh, sustaining the pressure and maintaining the puck in the offensive zone, things are going to happen. And again, you can kind of pick it up from here, but is that what you were alluding to in a certain way, shape, or form?
0: In a way, I think I'm just trying to grapple with, as this goes for longer and longer, like what what exactly is going on, right? And, and sort of the, honestly, the team that I'm most reminded of at this point by the Vancouver Canucks, especially in the event that they you know, shock me and, and, and maintain these sorts of bounces, uh, this sort of elite results, elite goal differential, despite struggling to control play, because that's sort of where the Hurricanes analogy falls short. Right, Mike? Like they They don't, don't they don't win. (laughs) No, but they, but they also don't control play like that. Like it's, 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 you know, I'd be singing a very different tune if this team was controlling 60 plus percent of shot attempts, the way the Carolina Hurricanes do regardless of game state. Right. Like um, and had done so year over year over year. Right. Like this is a very different like this team, this team converts efficiently in a way that the Hurricanes never have. Right. They, you're right that they don't win in the playoffs, um, but they also generate that sort of balance like that. They generate the preponderance of chances that make it at least conceptually make sense that right. they ever can get sort of hot at the right time. But the team that they honestly remind me of the most is the the Kansas City Royals. Um, I know that's a, that's weird, but it's, it's
2: like I love this. So, that... I love this so much right now. Please continue. Why? Which which year? Which no, it's, Kansas it's such City a great you know, poll. The, the Kansas City Royals is amazing. So, those World Series
0: teams, like the teams that were competing year after year, because they played in a way that made like that no one else did. Right? They were able to out the fact that by every underlying metric available to any baseball analyst, and we all talk about how, you know, baseball analytics, the underlying numbers in baseball are like so much more robust in hockey. Well, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series and went deep in the playoffs in consecutive years, despite most of these metrics being like, well, they're good at defense. (laughs) That's about it. Like, they didn't hit home runs. It was like soft contact with a lot of team speed, force other teams into mistakes. And then when you get the lead, you have the best bullpen in baseball. And that lets you, you know, outkick your coverage or as the baseball nerds would have it, outperform your pie bag, Right. And, and th- it worked. It worked. But it was kind of aberrant. It, it made no sense. The, the betting markets never liked them. Baseball analysts never liked them. Um, the Miami Heat in the playoffs, it would be another one. Like every year they come in, they've got like a negative point differential. And then they work the refs so well and they get hot from three and every year they're in the finals. Do you think um, there's
1: do you think there's something about when a team's on a PDO run that goes beyond luck? Like yes. like like there's something of maybe course. it's psychological
3: that's oh, going on.
1: Like how can I, you cuz cuz I I think a lot of people have, you know, take issue with or I take issue just like it can't just be it just when a team's on a PDO run, and I know, like even good teams will have a high PDO because they love good finishers and they love good goaltending and they'll be defensively sound, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's naturally that you're going to be above, you know, one in the PDO. Uh, yeah. Uh, like that's just natural. But when when it's on, when it's to this extent, there has to be something. Do you think it's psychological, maybe, that a team just no. believes? No, I literally
0: think it's. Like, I think it is multifaceted, and I think you have to get comfortable with that because I think it's everything. I I think it's health. Like, I think it's partly health. I think it's the fact that Vancouver's top players, like, their their biggest injury this season has been Carson Soucy, who's probably going to slot back into the third pair, right? Like, it's health. I think partly it's that they came out of the gate, and and I don't think teams were ready for, for various elements of this team's game, especially things like, hughes and Hironic switch all the time now and that they have this high low action with two defenders who are really good at moving the puck and a ton of guys who can score i think it's partly like depth forwards right like that's another part of this where you know 10 years ago teams converted eight and a half percent of shots five on five like right. clockwork every year and now actually there are teams that can sustain 10 plus percent over a full season uh, goal, you know, average lead, average save percentage has dropped from nine twelve to nine zero three. Right, that changes things too. Um, I think it's health. I literally think it's that the things that a team does work, and the things that a team like Ottawa does don't. Um, and and then I think there's confidence. Right, there's confidence. There's psychology. I mean, I, I think it's all encompassing. Um, it's just that it's a long season, and over time, you know, you can't you can't lean on the hockey gods just having your back constantly. Right. Like that's, that's the point. Like no one's saying that these are, it's a rule based off of like, it's a rule of thumb based off of um, the idea or the assumption of relatively fixed percentages at the NHL level, because of how good everybody is, especially the goalies. And I think that's a fair assumption, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I think the actual reason why it tends to regress, the actual reason why it tends to be a powerful indicator, a powerful gut check of our assumptions based on what we're watching or, or based on current results, is that it's actually complicated, that there are so many things that go into it. Not one, It's not one thing. It's not luck purely. It's luck, it's health, it's psychology, it's confidence. It's all of that.
1: Dranter, sometimes I picture you like Christian Bale in The Big Short, you know, when he's waiting for his uh, trade to... Come through when he's like, the market isn't adjusting like he expects it to, and he just goes down and he plays the drums and like aggressively. Have you got a oh, drum 100%. set yet?
0: No, no. I mean, look, I, I don't take it that personally. Like, I honestly don't. Um, but it is fun. It is fun that the highest PDO team, you know, is like is is a team that i cover having spent a decade tracking these numbers the way i have it's right? amazing um, it's
1: a, i'm I'm and, loving uh, how this season is 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 playing oh, out so for fun. multiple reasons it's so fun. <laughs>
0: well the, mostly mostly for the fact that the canucks are playing good and and it's great to see the market energized it's like you know it's not great to see the secondary market swollen the way it has but like it's good to see people want to talk about hockey want to enjoy hockey you walk into the bars and clearly, the game is on. Like, yeah, no, like the, the sound
1: is, is even started. on the at the bars now. Yeah,
0: yeah, people the are. Sound annoyed. is like, back, baby. Like that's that's what we're here for. That's what we all want. So um, I love to see all of that, and uh, and I hope it continues. I hope it stays fun. I, I think this is a good team. I just also think this team's had an enormous amount of good fortune, especially at the offensive
2: end of the rink. Drancer, fly safe, my friend. Enjoy the roadie. Enjoy New York, and we'll do this again next week. Thanks, boys. Bye. So, yep, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Did
1: you know that Christian Bale actually had to take a 2-week crash course on playing the drums in order for that, for that role? That one scene? Well, yeah, he's playing pretty aggressively on oh, it. not
2: okay. you just CGI that, can okay? you? Or AI that? CGI. Is that how it works? Is CGI. that how it works? CGI. Yeah, you just can't.
1: You know the scene I'm talking about?
2: Yeah. Like when the when he's like he's like the the the, the
1: market should be moving, but it's just not.
2: You know, I don't think I've ever ever actually watched The Big Short, uh, like sat down and watched it from start to finish. But I, you had like a sports documentary that you had to watch. Yesterday? No, no, no. no. It's so good. Not- though. I watched it not too long ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've only seen it twice, but I watched it like a month ago, and man, it's such a good. For movie. some reason, it's been chopped up and into these like little vignette moments because I think that's really what the film is. is it's, mm. it's a collection of asides. Right. I'm gonna get putting on my filmmaker's hat here, beret, smoking a long cigarette, but. Uh, and then it's become really easily digestible through like three minute clips mm-hmm. on all your video like platforms, right? right? So I've actually, se- I think I've seen the entire movie in these segments that aren't aligned in the film. Do you understand it? Yeah, I mean, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so confident for a second. That yeah. They- yeah, not really. no, no. Yeah. no, yeah. Not, no, no idea. Yeah, they I lost it, me at the credits. You short some things. Margot Robbie comes and explains it, and then the movie ends. Yeah.
1: The Canucks are playing the Blues tonight, and the St. Louis Blues are a team that's been through a lot. This season, we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, who covers the Blues and has actually been part of the story in this Blues season. We'll talk to Jeremy about that coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Talking all Canucks, all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: 32 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Hour two of this program, we're halfway through it. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two of this show is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise. They're at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. Let's go to the phone lines now. The Canucks and Blues will do battle tonight, 5 o'clock from St. Louis. Joining us now to preview things from the St. Louis side of things, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, JR. How are you? M- morning, Morning. I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we are now a whopping eight games into the Drew Bannister era in St. Louis. Uh, it's actually extended probably longer than the eight games with the Christmas break and everything. But in those eight games, the Blues are 5-3-0. and oh. uh, What have been some of the most notable changes in going from Craig Berube behind the bench to Drew Bannister behind the bench?
3: Honestly, not much yet, I don't think. Uh, I think maybe some tweaks on the power play, which has been uh, you know horrendous all season, sitting at about 31 or 32 in the league most of the year. Uh, you'll see a change tonight on that power play unit. They're going to put uh, Colt Draco. They need his big whopping shot. Uh, he's been more of a uh, defensive assignment guy uh, the past couple years, but uh, with Justin Falk out of the lineup, they're going to give it a try. So that's been one of the changes. Uh, but I think you know. I hate to sound cliche here, but it's it's been uh, players being more on their toes, playing aggressive, trying to impress the new boss, and uh, and kind of a new coach bump. And that's not to take anything away from uh, Drew Bannister. He's done everything that he could do. Uh, you know, one thing that you really want to give him credit for is Doug Armstrong said at the announcement when he when he hired him is that he wanted accountability and compete. And I think it was the, what the third game. Uh, He benched uh, Pavel Buchnevich for about 13 minutes after he took his third hooking penalty of the game. There's also been a stretch where he he benched uh, Sammy Blay for about 20 minutes. Um, So he's holding these guys accountable, and also the compete has been there. So the two things they were looking for, they're getting from uh, the coaching change.
1: At the end of the day, you've had some time to think about this now. What happened with Craig Berube and the St. Louis Blues?
3: Yeah, no, it's a a fair and a good question. Um, I honestly felt like Craig Berube was still doing a a good job. Uh, I feel like, and I wrote this at The Athletic, is that uh, the roster had taken a turn the past couple years. And I I know that you can't keep a Stanley Cup team like the Blues had in 2019. You just can't keep the roster together. Guys are going to get paid more. They're going to want to leave and and make that money. Um, But I also feel like there were some situations namely uh, Alex Petrangelo those contract talks t- trying to bring him back that didn't work and and it's two sided it's not just uh, on the fault of the blues uh, but i think that that kind of started a chasing of the roster once you lose an Alex Petrangelo now you sign a Tori Krug to a long term contract you signed uh, Justin Falk the year before Petrangelo left to a long term contract now you're trying to put somebody up with Colton Paréco, who's your new number one, because Petrangelo's gone, and, uh, and you're putting a, a Marco Scandella up there, a Nick Letty. and It's just the roster has deteriorated, I think, uh, in the past couple of years. And you look up front, you've lost a Ryan O'Reilly, a Vladimir Tarasenko, a David Perron. And so the Blues are kind of sitting there giving Craig Berube a lineup that, A, probably isn't his style, and then B isn't good enough to win on a consistent basis. So I think the if you look at the Blues' schedule this year, win loss, win loss, win loss, they just couldn't get any traction. With that lack of success on the power play, I think it just got to a point where you started to hear some of the cliches uh, like needing a new voice, so on and so forth. But you know, Drew Bannister is going to need a lot of help with this roster if he's going to have the success that uh, everybody, including Doug Armstrong, desires.
1: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the style because I remember when Rick Tockett was hired to coach the Canucks, a lot of people wondered, "Oh, do the Canucks have a heavy enough roster to play the type of style that Rick Tockett is probably going to want to play? Um, Now, they have made some changes on the back end. They brought in some big boys on the defense. But, you know, I remember that Blues team that won – the Stanley cup and they pretty much out Boston to Boston. Like they were bigger and tougher than the big, bad Bruins. And now I look at this roster and I go, "Mm, I don't know if this is such a heavy roster. Um, Do you think that played a role in Craig Berube, not being able to get through to some of the players or not being able to coach the style that he wanted?
3: Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a great observation. And I asked Craig Berube that when I had an interview with him a couple days after he was let go You know, I asked him about having a a roster um, that could play his style, and his response was, you know, it was some guys who either can't play the way I want to play or don't want to. And I thought, obviously, you know, revealing comment there, you know, something you don't say when you're still coaching the team. And and I think it's true. And and as I said, you know, the roster is going to evolve, and hockey is going in a direction where, you know, speed kills. It doesn't matter if you're 5'10", if you can get up the ice and you can – make that pass and the cal mccars of the world and quinn hughes of the world like it's it's amazing uh you know the direction that that it's going and and i don't think that craig bruby actually had a problem with that i mean uh, sure in 2019 uh, you had a defense where it was jay bolmeister alex petrangelo joel edmondson colton Preco. like these guys were as long as their last names they had these <laughs> long sticks and six foot four six it was amazing and so that's you're right they out boston boston and and they did that up front too. Uh, But I don't think Craig Bruby uh, all of a sudden, you know, can't coach these younger guys who want to get up the ice and, you know, maybe don't want to block a shot. It's just, they still have to be responsible. So, you know, there's players on this roster, like a Jordan Cairo, who he butted heads with where, you know, does Craig Bruby like transition? Does he like rush team? Does he want to coach it? Yeah, for sure. He can do that. But you better, you know, if you lose the puck, you turn it over. You better get back if you're one of the fastest guys in the league. So I think that's where, not just with Cairo, but with some of the players on the team, it just didn't mesh.
2: Okay, JR, I'm glad you brought up Kairou, because that's one of the questions we both wanted to ask you here. And it's been about three weeks since it was a pretty uh, publicized emotional moment for Kairou and the entire story as it played out. I'm not sure how many of our listeners know uh, that you were involved in the story on a pretty deep level because it was you that got the quote originally from Cairo about Barube's dismissal that kind of kicked this whole thing off. And I was reading your article on the athletic in the aftermath, and you actually kind of shouldered some ownership with this about maybe you didn't provide the right context or maybe you did, but it didn't get relayed to the fans. So big picture, like having gone through all of that as a reporter and someone that's watching this and in gets involved in the story, what was that like for you on a personal level?
3: Yeah, first of all, it's no fun to be in the middle of a story, especially one that, that, you know, gets that big. Right. Um, But the situation was this just to provide some context for people who maybe missed it is, uh, you know, Craig Bruby gets fired. Drew Bannister comes in the next couple days. You know, every player on the team basically has been asked what uh, what they think of the coaching move and and what they thought of uh, Craig Bruby. you know, just like any situation around the league. Uh, but the one that I, I didn't talk to and the one I hadn't heard from yet was Jordan Cairo. And it was kind of you know, well-known here in St. Louis that the two butted heads. And so uh, it was a couple of days after the firing, I saw Cairo sitting at his locker by himself, approached him, and I, I said, hey, listen, sometimes i got to ask tough questions. Uh, they're not the most fun, uh, but you know, it was kind of documented that you didn't have a great relationship with Craig. What would you say? about that relationship. And Jordan Kyra's response was no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And, and so the interview continued, you know, you could tell he didn't want to talk about it. you know, people have asked, you know, why didn't you provide a follow-up? Uh, why didn't you tell him, Hey, this isn't going to be received. Well, if you say it that way. And, you know, I've always said as a reporter, I've been covering the team 19 years, you know, maybe if there's a younger guy who just doesn't know any better, you 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 kind of pointed out to him but you know jordan Kyra has been in the league for a while 25 years old he's in control of his thoughts and and so that was at about 11 o'clock local time it's not like i ran to social media and tweeted the comment (laughs) right tried to create a dust storm it was about three or four hours later uh, when i tweeted out some comments including that one and it just kind of took off right so Then I start to hear the reaction people are saying, he's going to get booed tonight at home in St. Louis when he touches Mm -hmm. the puck. So your stomach starts to turn. You you feel, you know, like, uh, gosh, what could I have done? And and so it wasn't taken out of context. I asked him a question. He gave that answer. It's just that you got to know that when you're in the locker room for a morning skate, it's kind of quick. You guys know they come off the ice. They sit at their stall for a minute. They're in a hurry to get to the shower and and get out of there. And, you know, maybe Jordan, if he had more time to think about it, then maybe he would have said something different. But when you do put a comment on social media, and this is where I took a small part of the ownership, you know, maybe, hey, provide, uh, you know, the context. This guy's in a situation, game day, trying to get out of there, but here's what he said. So the bottom line is, uh, you know, it wasn't taken out of context, and I understand why people reacted the way they did, uh, but perhaps, you know, people have said, including Jordan, maybe a little bit of a learning experience.
1: Um I don't want to belabor this point because I know it's probably been hard for you to deal with all this but um how did he say it like did he say it dismissively did he say it like he's not my coach anymore I got no comment or or did he say it like you know what I I don't want to comment on this he's 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 not my coach anymore like can you can you see how though yeah, those yeah. two things are completely different and because when I saw it I actually was my reaction on social media. I like I quote tweeted it and I was like, hey, maybe don't disrespect this this coach that brought the franchise. It's only Stanley Cup. He, he's a pretty popular guy there. Um, but if he had said it in a way that was like, you know what, I, I just don't want to comment about this. Like, you know, he, he's not my coach anymore. So we're going to move on. Like which which kind of way was it?
3: Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, it's 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 tough because you know you guys are in the radio business and you put the uh, the audio out and people mm-hmm. can hear it and make their own determination on the tone, right? And and perhaps there was a vehicle for me to do that. You know, I didn't obviously social media is a little bit different. When you read it, you don't know what that tone is. Here's the deal: it, it wasn't malicious. Like I don't care anymore. That guy's not my coach. <laughs> but it also wasn't. Hey, listen, look, I just like to move on. It, it was. It was a little bit flippant, and it was just kind of. You know, matter of fact, hey, no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And, you know, just move on. So it wasn't a situation where he was trying to explain himself that he knows that people realize that they butted heads and he didn't want to get into it. It wasn't something that was going to make him look good if he did say something. He responded to the comment the way he did. And again, no maliciousness, but it also wasn't on the other end of the spectrum where he was trying to say, hey, look, this just isn't a win-win situation for me.
2: Okay, so that happens. Then the game happens. He's booed every time he touches the puck. Then he gets off the ice, and you know it's the the media scrum that's been seen a hundred times over by everyone. He breaks down and starts crying. What was that like?
3: Yeah, so um, I was in that scrum. I asked the first question. I felt that was responsibility. I said, hey, Jordan, you know, I asked you a question this morning. You gave the answer. Obviously, it's grown legs. And, uh, th- then he responded, as you guys know, by watching it, that he said, uh, you know, Craig's a great coach. He did a lot for my career. He won a Stanley cup. And then, uh, you know, I tried to back off a little bit, but some other reporters, uh, obviously job to do, they ask some more questions and you get to a point where Jordan's getting emotional and, and, uh, again, you feel bad. You're in the middle of a story. You know, what could I have done differently? You know, again, I did my job. I'm not trying to apologize mm-hmm. for anything and I'm not trying to change anything, that I did, but is there something where I could have delivered this in a manner that may not have led to this? So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, something that I'd never been through in the 19 years, uh, doing it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, fortunately a couple nights later, it came out, had a good performance and people were cheering him and kind of, uh, things turned for the better for the, the whole situation.
1: Well, Jeremy, we know you're one of the best beat writers in the business. So, uh, you know, we definitely had your back when we were talking about this story, um, where do the Blues go go from here? Um, you know, Doug Armstrong, I'm sure, has uh, taken his own responsibility for the mess that the St. Louis Blues became. What can we expect from the Blues heading into the trade deadline and maybe into the offseason?
3: Yeah, they're going to have to have some, uh, you know, serious conversations about turning over the roster a little bit. The problem is it's tough. We've seen this with other teams post-Stanley Cup is – you give out these long-term contracts. So if you're Doug Armstrong and you're trying to to change things up, he already tried to do it last summer, sending Tory Krug to Philadelphia, but he invoked his, uh, his no trade clause mm-hmm. and uh, the deal didn't go through. Uh, and you've got similar situations. I mean, you have Braden Chen who I think he's without a point in his last uh, 10 or 11 games. You know, he's on an eight year deal. Uh, Colton Braco, who's playing a lot better this year is is on an eight year deal. Uh, Jordan Bennington a six year deal I think uh, what sod was on a four year deal Letty was on a four year so they're all on lengthy term deals and if they're not playing well obviously it's tougher to move them so he's going to have to get creative Doug Armstrong and in- seeing what he can do with this roster you know that said they have admitted they're in a retool if you look at the World Juniors the Blues have seven prospects who played in the tournament uh, that's tied for the most with Arizona and Buffalo. Those seven prospects before today, and they've added more points, but before today had a combined 34 points. That's most of any team in the NHL, and uh, they've got guys, uh, five guys playing in the uh, semifinals. So uh, I think the future is bright in terms of the prospects. But right now, you're looking at a a team that's near the cap and has a lot of aging veterans on it, and you can't just, you know, throw in the towel for a couple years. So um, they're going to have to get creative and, and try to find ways to keep this team competitive while they wait on some of these guys that we're talking about from the World Juniors.
2: One well, more before we let you go, as it pertains to tonight's game. I did notice that the last uh, six goalies of record for the Blues in the last six game have alternated between Hofer and Bennington. So, is it a real split, fifty-fifty, going on right now? Who should we expect
3: to play tonight? I think you know when you when you say that, um, and you, you you know it's it's factual that you have to say it's been a split here lately um I, I still consider bennington you know he's number one he's okay. 1a whatever you want to call it and holfer has played a lot better lately um so they have gone to that split i i think we'd probably see eventually they'll get back to uh giving bennington more of the starts um i would expect it would be bennington but we'll see when we get to the rink here in a little bit uh, the blues actually have been off for quite a while they haven't played since uh last weekend they played Uh, back-to-back against Colorado and then Pittsburgh. So they've been off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and then uh, get back at it today. So with that long break, I would think Bennington, but uh, you never know with the way things, like you said, have been going back and forth here lately.
2: Well, uh, Jr., I agree with what Jason said earlier. You're one of the best in the business, and we want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Happy New Year. Enjoy the second half of the season. I'm sure we'll be doing this again.
3: Hey, you guys, too. I really uh, appreciate that. Yeah, tough uh, 24 hours there with the Cairo thing. But thanks for letting me explain it. And thanks for having me today.
2: Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks. Uh, J- I keep saying thanks. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, blues beat writer here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, that, that was funny. I wasn't sure um, how much time we could allot to an incident that happened like three weeks ago mm-hmm. in St. Louis. It's like, you know you guys are the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and there's a game tonight. But... I don't know. I found it interesting the moment that it happened. And then I do like to give uh, these guys an opportunity to explain where they're coming from. Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Jason, but there's a lot of distrust and disdain. For hockey media sometimes. In, 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 fact, some, in, in fact, all media. I've, I've heard. That now, they, on occasion, mm-hmm. you know, lying mainstream media has become almost... It's almost a meme now where yeah. the inverse has become true where it's such a tired and trite line and cliche that you like can use I'm, it I, as a joke.
1: I guarantee Jeremy wanted no part of being the center of that story. No. He was probably thinking that whole game. He's like, oh, God.
2: No, but it, and it brings up a great point, though. Is it his responsibility... To explain or try and put nuance and context and background into someone's words, because because you know what the, the flip I think side the an- of that I is, I think
1: the answer is yes. But I think the way he he um, portrayed uh, Kairu's words were the way it came across on the tweet. because uh, I but asked him, the- I was like, was it was it like uh, you know like th- thoughtful like. You know, mm, I don't know if I want to a-
2: answer this, so I'm, I'm going to have no comment. But you said the thing. it came across as a little bit flippant. But here's the danger: what happens if you are trying to put context on something and infer the tone, but you've gotten it wrong? Yeah, that's the danger. Sure. Right? You could. I mean, here's the thing: you could yeah. say something to me, and then like you're like, I don't care, and then I would go to my computer and I'd like, I don't care. Jason Bruff said flippantly. Yeah. But then you would come back and be like, I wasn't being flippant at all. Yeah. I genuinely don't care. You got the tone. You Mm. inferred the wrong things. Not me. It's one of the challenges of journalism, right? Which is why JR said, I just put this quote out there exactly as he said it. I asked this. He said this. Mm -hmm. End of tweet. Yeah. Now the big problem is this is on Twitter.
1: And then Jeremy should have been like, and then he fake cried after the game (laughs) to make me (laughs) look You saw those alligator tears, didn't you?
2: (laughs) Crocodile tears. Crocodile tears. (laughs) Did I say alligator tears?
1: <laughs> See you later. See you later. Alligator. Similar alligator.
2: animal. I mean, it's close. Yeah, um, lizard tears. Yeah. Hey,
1: do you remember that sound bite we played yesterday? Laddie, do you have the sound bite ready to go? Um, because uh, we're going to play this. This is from the, uh, who was playing again? It was the coyotes and the... Panthers. And the panthers. Um, here, here's We're, we're going to play the sound bite, and then we'll talk about what happened.
2: Picked up by Barkov. Oh, Nick Cousins is run by Zucker. Oh, Nick Cousins is down.
1: Um, that loud sound that you heard resulted in a three-game suspension. Yeah, for Jason Zucker, and of course, everyone argued about it because they also thought that Nick Cousins should have been suspended for uh, who was the player that was down at the time that Nick Cousins kind of shouldered into Valimaki.
2: Okay, I think it was Valimaki.
1: Um, it was all
2: the players you do not expect to get in a brouhaha. and well, There's a lot of
1: Forsling. So, you know, when uh, you just said like, and Jason Bruff said, I don't care. Right. Um, I hate debating suspensions and supplementary discipline and all that sort of thing. My eyes just kind of glaze over. Although I know a lot of people do like debating, about, debating it. And uh, there was quite a uh, passionate debate on one of the Sportsnet panels yesterday. Uh, between Jamal Myers and uh, Jen Boderll too mm-hmm. about uh, another incident. Um, but you know at the end of the day is like uh, I think Nick cousins is a weasel and I think that's his reputation now and I think he probably likes having the reputation otherwise he wouldn't play like that. but I also think that that hit deserved a suspension like that was that was really dangerous like Nick cousins was just standing there yeah. Face forward into the into the into the into the glasses. It's not like he turned his back suddenly. He was just standing there, and then he, then he got run. But it's one of those things where, and this is kind of related to the argument
2: that happened on the Sportsnet panel. Like, was he asking for it? Well, I think at a certain point, the Department of Player Safety has to take a look at these incidents and, like, what do they all have in common? Oh. They were all preceded by a really dirty play by Nick Cousins. Yeah. It's hard not to look at that. And they were almost identical situations. And the cousin took advantage of a guy in a vulnerable situation. Mm -hmm. It was Goodbranson first. Yeah. It was Vallimacchi second. Now, he managed to skirt any major punishment or penalty. But that shouldn't really detract from the fact that all these guys, Goodbranson and then Zucker, felt the need to do this right away. And it's not a coincidence. Right? It's not like, oh, it just happens to be cousins. It just happens to be this, you know, very egregious retaliatory boarding. Mm-hmm. But they're not addressing it. It's like you're addressing the after effect as opposed to the thing that caused it. So in some ways he's winning. Like the yeah. weasel the weasel is winning. The weasel has figured do, it do out. Do you think Zucker's whole defense was just like, eh, it was Nick Cousins, guys? Come on. In fine. some ways. He went into he no, went into was. his hearing and he just I present to you Nick Cousins. This is his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, he is kind of a weasel. Three games. No, I, I don't know. I don't really know how the Department of Player Safety works when it's not the... I don't even know if they do the videos anymore. The they brand- do, actually. watch do they? Yeah, the, yeah. They're yeah. just narrated now. Remember Brandon Shanahan used to stand there in a suit? Yeah. Like he was hosting a game show? Yeah, it doesn't look like a, an edition of like Unsolved Mysteries or something it like that. It was very strange back in the day. But um, I don't know what they do beyond the levying the fines and punishments and doing the videos like they obviously Mm. have behind the scenes conversations and things that aren't for public record yeah i imagine someone has to be talking to nick cousins and they're like eventually Mm -hmm. we're gonna stop suspending guys for crushing you if you keep doing this crap or or eventually you're gonna get hurt man that's you know like there has to be some (laughs) level of discourse there there has to be you can't just have the same guy doing this stuff and department of players safety being like well, there's nothing we can do about that. Let's yeah. move on to the next suspension. Uh, we got to move on to the final hour of this show. Uh, joining us at eight o'clock, Nick Shook from NFL.com. We're going to do a little NFL talk ahead of the final week of the regular season, and then at eight thirty, it's what we learn time. So get your what we learns in. We don't have a lot right now. Dunbar Lumber text line is six fifty six fifty. Think of this as prep for tomorrow because tomorrow we're giving away a one hundred dollar gift card to AJ's Pizzeria. On East Broadway, the best pizza in Vancouver. Uh, That's going to go to the best Ask Us Anything. But it's all submission-based, right? So 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your what we learned in. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. It's your chance to be on the radio. One final hour to go. You're listening to the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet 650.